Welcome to Women Igniting Change, the place to be for women leaders and decision makers who are passionate about changing the world and determined to act. I'm your host, Robin Jorgensen, former corporate executive, global speaker, and founder and CEO of Women Igniting Change. Let's dive in. Hey, hey, changemakers. Welcome back to the Women Igniting Change podcast. Today in the studio, I have Sarah Lomelin, the CEO of Philanthropy Together. She has been featured in numerous publications, such as the Associated Press, Forbes Women, and the Stanford Social Innovation Review, among many, many others. She has an incredible TED Talk called Your Invitation to Disrupt Philanthropy, and she is growing a movement of people-powered philanthropy to resource grassroots nonprofits, shift power dynamics, and promote widespread philanthropy. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Robin. I'm super excited to be here with you. I am too. What led you to become a passionate advocate for collective giving and philanthropy? And why do you think this approach is uniquely positioned to totally transform the way that philanthropy is done? Uh, well, you know, I, I kind of reinvented myself uh, at age 40. Um, at that point, you know, I had just moved back from uh, Dallas, Texas to the San Francisco Bay Area. Mm -hmm. I am originally from Mexico City. So mm -hmm. as an immigrant, um, I wanted to give back to my community, right? This is, this is my new country. This is the country where my kids were born, where, where, you know, I am living. And I really saw that a lot of, you know, people in the Latino community weren't getting that, you know, the same opportunities that I had. Mm -hmm. So that ignited um, when I was in Texas to start a giving circle with a group of friends, right? A group of um, Latino friends there. And when I moved back to the Bay Area, I had the opportunity to join the Latino Community Foundation. Okay. And I started there a network of Latino giving circles. So for me, you know, the whole idea of collective giving, of giving circles is to really change the narrative of who gets to be called a philanthropist. Mm. You don't have to be a millionaire. You don't have to be a billionaire. You mm. don't have to be 65 years old and be a white man to be called a philanthropist. You right. can be in your 20s. You can be living anywhere. And you have the power to really change, you know, your community and the reality of those around you. That's incredible. So describe for our listeners what a giving circle is and the various types of giving circles that you see all over the world. Uh, well, yeah, you know, and that's a million dollar question, right? A giving circle is literally a group of people with shared values that gets together to create change. This group of people get together they create a community or a sense of belonging. They pull their, not only their financial resources, but also, you know, their time, the talent. And together they decide what cause they are going to support and, you know, which particular organization or initiative or project they're going to support. And that, you know, 
with the group coming together gives you an amplified impact. You have not only more money, more dollars coming right. out, but also you have, you know, the power of the group, more hours of volunteering, more mm -hmm. skills given to a nonprofit. And there are, you know, the, the beauty of this model is that it's like incredibly flexible. So each group kind of decides there are, you know, what, what fits for them, what's a good fit for them. And they are, you know, thousands of giving circles all across the globe. Um, you know, some of them have five members that each mm. of them gives, you know, a lot of money. Uh, some giving circles have hundreds of members that give a hundred dollars each. Uh, they are, you know, giving circles that meet in person, that meet every other week. They're giving circles that meet virtually. They're giving circles inside social clubs, inside companies, with friends, with neighbors. I mean, you name it. Yeah, yeah. So you've described giving circles as having roots in cultures all over the world. How do these diverse cultural perspectives enrich that philanthropic landscape? Yes, well, you know, and this is beautiful because uh, sometimes people ask, uh, tell me like, oh, what you're saying is super innovative. And I said, no, no, no. First of all, we need to understand that giving circles are not new. Right. And they're not American. They're rooted in cultures, you know, for generations, for hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. um, and they have, you know, different names in different parts of the world, but it's about community philanthropy and the whole idea that, uh, you know, the, a group of people coming together to do some change in their local communities is, you know, as old as humanity itself. And why is um, so incredibly powerful? Because sometimes, especially here in the U.S., we get caught up in our own, you know, business, right? And or doing the things at, at you know, in a certain way. Right. And sometimes we need to look at how things are going on in all other parts of the world and going back to the roots. And basically, you know, these types of community philanthropy of, you know, people helping neighbors, people helping each other is, you know, it's just going back to the root of the word philanthropy, which at the end of the day means love of humanity, not, you know, big industrial complex. Yeah. When I heard you say that, I think you said that in your TED talk, um, upstairs in my house, we do a lot of work in East Africa and Rwanda. And when I was there in July um, with one of my good friends and colleagues, we went to this park that had um, Kenya Rwanda written on like huge walls, which is the native language of Rwanda. And I literally have framed in my office or my house upstairs on the wall, love humanity. There are two separate plaques. And when I saw you say that, I'm like, oh, my God, that's my people. Um, yeah, because it's so true, right? We need to love yes. a lot more than we do right now. Um, in your TED Talk, you described philanthropy as a source of joy, transformation, collaboration, and intentionality. What shaped that unique perspective for you to view it in that way? That is why I love about collective giving, because it's not, and, and especially giving circles, is not crowdfunding. You know, a lot of people confuse giving circles with crowdfunding, and it's not. Yeah. You know, there's nothing wrong with crowdfunding, but for me, sometimes if you ask me, um, oh, can you support this campaign? I go, I give, because you asked me to do it, but five minutes later, you don't even remember, right? How many times you go and you donate $10 here, $20 here, $50 there. In a giving circle, 
because of the social aspect of it, because of the community that you build with uh, your Giving Circle members, you are really being intentional. You are really learning about different causes, different organizations. Like there is research that has seen that people that participate in Giving Circles and collective giving groups are incredibly well informed and engaged and educated. So it's all about, you know, and at the end of the day, there's also research that has seen that people that participate in giving circles are happier. Uh, why? Because there is this, you know, sense of community, this social aspect of it. Uh, you're learning from one another. And at the end of the day, it's good for your mental health, but also for your physical health. Right. Yeah, like you know, just a couple of days ago, I had the opportunity to hear uh, Chip Conley. That I don't know if you have met him. He's incredible. He has many, many books. I think he uh, he just released his seventh book, and he's the founder of the Modern Elder uh, Academy. So he writes a lot about midlife and about you know um, being a modern elder and really embraced aging. And the way he describes it is, you know, this crisis of loneliness, right? And how do you create community and why it's so important, especially for, you know, people in midlife, like we are, to, to have this sense of community, to be with one another, to, to really have that social capital and that social connection. And, uh, and you know, he was talking uh, about it and I was kind of just, like you know raising my hand saying oh my god yes that's my people yeah yeah Yeah. I love that so as someone that's traveled the world speaking about philanthropy and civic engagement highlight for us a memorable encounter or event that last that left that lasting impact and I'm sure you have dozens but is there one that comes to mind oh my god um oh my god okay so Actually, you know, I'm super excited because in two weeks, I'm going to Singapore and I'm going to be there for a week. I love Singapore so much. It's one of my favorite places on earth. Okay. You know, after this, you need to give me recommendations because I I have been there once when I was 15 years old. So, of course, I don't remember anything. (laughs) Um, But um, yes, I'm going in a couple of weeks uh, and I'm going to be doing maybe like four presentations and a three-hour training for corporate leaders, nonprofit leaders, foundation leaders, because the whole, they're involving even the government. They are really, you know, looking at giving circles as a way to ignite a culture of philanthropy in the whole country. Um, But, you know, I can tell you that one memorable memorable one was a virtual, uh, yeah, a virtual encounter that I had with a group of young professionals in China. When the pandemic started, um, we got in contact with the Shanghai United Foundation. They had, they were hosting about three giving circles. Right now they have 30 giving circles. Wow. And you know, giving circles are just sprouting in China as a way to, you know, to mobilize money to different communities. And it was so amazing to see the enthusiasm that this group of people, you know, are having by just, you know, doing something that is joyful for them, but they are, it's been 
completely transformational for their communities. Um, I also, you know, a couple of years ago, I traveled to to Mexico. And as, as I was telling you, I am from Mexico City. So it was very, it was like a homecoming for me. Going there, I trained um, 50 community foundations that are starting giving circles. Uh, they're starting to host giving circles also, right, as a way to change this narrative. Because, you know, in many, many countries, you hear the word philanthropy, and it's a very charged word. Actually, mm -hmm. when we were launching philanthropy together, a lot of people told us, like, don't use the word philanthropy in the name of the organization because a lot of people have very, you know, strong feelings about that word. And I said, no, 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 no. I am going to use the word on purpose because mm -hmm. we are reclaiming it. Right. We are reclaiming it because we, as you said, philanthropy is, you know, love of humanity. Everybody. It's like, who can say, oh, I don't love humanity. We all can be philanthropists and should be philanthropists. You know, starting from a very young age, we need to be teaching children to, you know, to to give their time, to give their, you know, their gifts, to give their resources. Yeah. When describing giving circles, you say that members always walk in with something to share and they walk away with something learned. And I found that so powerful because, as you and I know, here in the U.S. anyway, there is so much divisiveness going on right now that I think we've forgotten how to approach situations with an open heart and an open mind. So can you speak to that a little bit? Totally. And that's, you know, another thing that I love about the model because it is about hearing different perspectives. It is about putting your individual decision in the back burner for the decision of the group. The moment you join a giving circle, you know that you're joining a group and the decision will be made with the group. So exactly what you said, I always, you know, uh, when I used to facilitate 23 giving circles at Latino Community Foundation, I always told, you know, the members, you need to come with an open heart and an open mind because you may have an idea, a precon you know, a preconception about, oh, I want my, our pool donation to go to this group, or I think this group is better because ba 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 ba. First of all, I always said, there's no right or wrong group. These grassroots organizations are doing incredible work in the community. All of them are incredible. Of course, you need to make a decision, but always, you know, with this open heart and open mind. Why? Because the moment we engage in dialogue, right, I can hear your perspective. I can put myself in your shoes and I may change my mind. And my opinion, the next time I have a conversation with another person is going to be richer because I have your perspective. So that is why I always said, you know, it's, you know, you come with something to share, but you leave with something learned. And as you said, why is so important? Collective giving is an exercise in democracy. It's a perfect, you know, these giving circles are mini labs of civic engagement, engagement, of dialogue, of, you know, as you said, being in a space where you and I may not see eye to eye in many ways, but we can still get together to rally behind a cause that is close to both our hearts. So it's about looking and finding our similarities 
and what unites us instead of, you know, focusing on the things that set us apart. Yeah. Let's dive into traditional philanthropy for a moment, the perception of that. So traditional philanthropy, at least here in the U.S., is often given with numerous, numerous strings attached to it. And your approach cuts through all of that and aims to shift the power back into the hands of the people on the ground that you're trying to serve. So why is that approach so important? And what's the impact of approaching it in that way? Well, you know, as a, as a fundraiser myself, I have been in this for about 13 years. Oh my God, there are so many bad practices in funding and in philanthropy, right? Um, and we do a lot of learning, but we also do a lot of unlearning, right? We work with many groups, many giving circles that have been, you know, doing this kind of work for 20 years, and they are unlearning these bad practices because we shouldn't be making nonprofit leaders jump through hoops for, you know, $5,000 or $10,000 or even, you know, $50,000, like, they are the ones that know what their community needs. We as donors, we don't know. We don't know anything. That is why we're, you know, moving the money to them, right? right. So we need to create these trusting relationships. And again, if I am going to trust you, I'm not going to trust you blindly. I need to build a relationship with you in order to trust you and for you to trust me. Mm -hmm. And the only way you do that is, again, by being vulnerable, by creating a personal relationship, by looking each other in the eyes and saying, I see you as, you know, my friend, my sister, uh, someone that is doing the same work as me instead of, you know, I am the one with the power because I have the money and you don't. You know, it's, it's just changing that mindset. And it's incredibly powerful when you, I remember as a fundraiser when, you know, I used to get very uh, upset when people wouldn't, would say no, you know, to, to support the, my foundation, right? And I remember saying, just changing it and saying, I'm not, I'm not asking you for money. I'm giving you the opportunity to be part of my mission. And I think, you know, in giving circles, we do that. It's like, okay, we are given this incredible opportunity to be part of the mission of this organization. So it's just changing that, um, yeah. that mindset. And why it's important, again, because the people that are, you know, leading those nonprofits, they know what the community needs, not us as donors. Yeah. How does the collective impact of giving circles not only democratize and diversify philanthropy, but foster that sense of community engagement and empowerment in the members? Well, you know, the, the beauty of this is that is is not only a, a, an economic donation, right? The financial contribution. Mm -hmm. You go beyond the dollar. So you interact with these groups a lot more, right? A lot of times the members of the Giving Circle are also members of the community. So you have many Giving Circles that are, for example, um, the LGBTQ community, a group of LGBTQ uh, people giving to LGBTQ causes, right? Yeah. So there is a lot of overlap. I, I have had many times where 
uh, nonprofit leaders that receive a grant from a giving circle call you the day after and say, hey, can I join the giving circle as a donor? Like, I love this. Wow. So it's like, you know, going round, round uh, circle. And also, um, as I was telling you, the impact goes beyond the dollar, right? Because uh, people, the moment you start learning about each organization, you get passionate about them. So right. you start volunteering with them and not volunteer in the sense of, oh, I'm going to take my Saturday. I'm going to go and, you know, help with the food pantry. Yeah. Uh, that's great. And you can become a board member. You can be a committee member. You can be helping with your skills, right? If you are a lawyer, if you're an accountant, if you're a marketer, um, also, you know, with uh, we call it the five T's of giving circles. So it's tr your treasure, which is which is the money, your time, volunteering, your talent, uh, your ties, which is you know you and I are part of different networks, right? You're part of your neighbors, your friends, your high school friends. So sometimes those doors that you can open for the causes that you care about are even more powerful than the amount of money that you can move to them. So it's always good to think, okay, how else can I support that organization that I care about? Mm -hmm. And then your testimony with your voice. How can you elevate their, their message? How can you talk to your family and your friends about that organization that you love so they can support that organization too? So it's, you know, it's this ripple effect of generosity. Yeah. So I want to I want to share with our listeners some staggering statistics and then have you speak to them a little bit. So as of late 2022, so hopefully these have shifted a little bit here in the U.S., 88 percent of funding goes to the top five percent of nonprofits. Communities of color receive eight percent of philanthropy dollars. Issues affecting women and girls, which is our passion, receive only one point nine percent. And even more inconceivable, not even one third of 1% goes to the LGBTQ community. So how do we shift the narrative and reprioritize funding for these groups? What do we do? Exactly. And, you know, I'm very sad to say that the numbers have not shifted. <laughs> um, I believe women and girls were now at 2%, which is like, oh, yay. But it is ridiculous. It yeah. is ridiculous. And it is infuriating it should you know get all of us mad right and you know in terms of women and girls if you think about women and girls of color it's worse. it's it's tiny 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 yeah. tiny so how that is why again we cannot wait for a billionaire to decide that those causes are you know worthy of getting money it's why we, all of us, need to do something about it. But because only like that, we can shift. Mm -hmm. You know, when we shift the power of philanthropy from just a few people into all of our hands, we are going to shift what gets funded. Right. Right. We're not going to be waiting for anybody to say, oh, yes, let's put some funding here. And, you know, in the 88% that goes to five, the top 5%, people are like, no, who is getting all the money? The reality is the majority of philanthropic dollars go to hospitals because all hospitals are nonprofits, right? Universities, mm -hmm. and it's not all universities equal. Like, you know, those universities with the huge endowments, I mean, really, 
do they need a, more money? Right. And um, and the church, the church is a nonprofit too. So 88% goes there, which leaves many, many, many nonprofit organizations totally underfunded. Yeah. Well, and Giving Circles is on a mission to transform that narrative and totally, really disrupt how philanthropy is done. So I love that. Totally, because, you know, Robin, something that I forgot to mention, the power of Giving Circles is that a lot of times power, uh, Giving Circles become the seed funders, especially for small nonprofits. Those yeah. nonprofits that are, you know, too small to be able to apply for a big grant for a, from a foundation mm -hmm. or a company, you know, Giving Circles are just, you have your individual donors, then you have a Giving Circle. So they become seed funders of these organizations. And also, it's kind of the seal of approval. Because if this organization has been funded by your Giving Circle for a couple of years, mm -hmm. then they can go and ask a foundation like, hey, would you invest in us? Giving right. Circle such and such has been supporting us, right? We have the trust of the community. So it's yeah. it's incredible how how powerful a giving circle is as a vehicle to support grassroots nonprofits. Yeah, it helps level the playing field even a little bit. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Take our listeners into the impact of your work a little bit. So share with us a story of one of the nonprofits that have benefited from this model and how has it made a difference in their work? Okay, and this story is in the, well, it's, a, it's the other side of the story from um, the story that I have in, the, in my TED Talk from Martin. But there is this amazing nonprofit organization in uh, the Central Coast here in California, in Watsonville, uh, which is a very, you know, agricultural area. So Digital Nest is a small nonprofit that is um, providing like coding trainings for the, the, the children of farm workers. I mean, this is in the middle of the, you know, of rural area. Mm -hmm. And um, the children go here to learn how to build websites, how to make videos, how to like literally learn how to code. And the place is beautiful. It's called Digital Nest. And you go inside and it looks like you are in the, at the Google campus. Like it's, yeah. it's supposed to be like that. It's like literally, you know, inspirational and aspirational for, for young people to be there. So when I was at Latino Community Foundation, uh, the Latinos and Tech Giving Circle, one of the members said, I want to nominate Digital Nest, Nest for a grant. Mm -hmm. We didn't know about Digital Nest. So Digital Nest go, got a small grant from the, Latinos in Tech Giving Circle. Oh my God, from that, like the visibility that they started getting, right? The, you know, the way everything opened up to more funding, more visibility, more board members. Digital Nets has now three different campuses. They wow. have grown 10 times. So it's, you know, and they, they, the, their members, some of the, their students have become board members of Digital Nest and they open a Latino giving circle in the Central Coast to involve, you know, people in the community to give back to the community. That's so amazing. it's, you know, and yeah, and like that story, I have so, so, so many. We could spend hours just doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So I it's know the fun part of the, of the, of the work. Yeah. That's the fun part for sure. Yeah. So I know philanthropy together, you have a really strong commitment around DE&I. Can you share some specific actions or initiatives that you're taking to promote those values within the philanthropic landscape? What does that look like? Totally. And, and you know, it's, it's something that's in, in, in our values uh, from mm -hmm. our team, right? We have an incredible diverse team in terms of geographic areas in the country, of ages, of races, of, you know, sexual orientations, everything. It's something that we breathe. Um, with the given circles, we want the given circles that exist to really reflect, you know, the, the diversity of the demographics of the country. And again, why is for us that important? Because we want to make a dent in those horrible statistics that you share. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, everything is richer if it's more diverse. I mean, if you are having a conversation with your friends and everybody thinks the same, it's like, yeah, well, it's nice, but it's not thought provoking. Right. If you have a conversation with a group of people that are, you know, challenge you intellectually, are making you think, that's when, when the, the conversation becomes richer. And it's, you know, that's life. Life is diverse and we need, we need diverse voices. And, you know, when we think about diversity, it's not only about race or gender or sexual orientation, it's also about age. Right. I feel that a lot of times we leave, you know, young voices outside. And this model, for those of you that are listening to us and have children, this is the perfect model for young people. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you a story of uh, a young woman in Arizona, Lily. She started a giving circle when she was a junior, a sophomore in high school. Um, she wanted to rally 100 teenagers. Well, she rallied 180 teenagers. Wow. Each of them giving $25 a quarter. And they are supporting nonprofit organizations that support teenagers in mental health, in homelessness, in addictions, like everything. Right now, Lily has been helping, has helped launch 30 youth giving circles across the, across the country. It's doable. Wow. That, is, that is beyond incredible. You know, the I think two episodes ago, we had um, a guest on the podcast, um, Susanna Welford, and her mission is all around getting young women into, into politics. Yes. And she said that we have to listen to the young voice. Any conference we go to, and you and I have been to, you know, hundreds, you see the same type of people on the panel, the keynotes, the young voice is not included, and they have such amazing, rich, innovative perspectives that are going to help us change all of this if we would just listen. So totally. I love, that's incredible. I love that. I had the opportunity to meet this incredible group of young people, the Youth Climate Justice Fund. Um, and it's a group of young people across the globe. Like, they, you know, they're, I think they are in their teens and early 20s. Yeah. And what they do is, they are supporting climate initiatives created by young people. Incredible. 
created by young people. And it's, you know, it's powerful because at the end of the day, they are the ones that are going to be dealing with whatever us, you know, the the midlife, <laughs> the midlifers did with this with this planet. So we definitely, I I totally agree with you. We need to to involve our youth voices. Yeah. Outside of some of the challenges that we've already talked about, what are some of the significant barriers that you see in achieving widespread philanthropy and collective giving? Well, I think people get too much into their heads, right? They're like, mm, this is difficult. Mm, I cannot do it. Mm, what am I going to find some people to do it with me? And hard. my, excuse me? They make it hard. Yes, they make it hard, but it's it's all in your head, right? right? It's like sometimes we tell people like, just do it. It doesn't have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just start doing it. Every one of us has two friends that, you know, you can sit down and you say, hey, I want to do this. Yeah. Would you go, would you do it with me? Mm-hmm. And it starts like that. I feel that is one uh, uh, big barrier. Another one, I would say, and it, this is very, very, very sad. We are becoming numb and we cannot become numb or of, of what is happening, you know, around us. Um, Speak a little bit more to that. Like, in what ways do you see us speak? I agree with you a thousand percent. Speak a little bit to what do you mean by we're becoming numb? I think, you know, there's so many challenging things happening in the world, right? That we get shocked the first day or maybe for a few days and then we forget it. And then it's just like white noise here. And we cannot allow that to happen, right? Everything, like, you know, everything keeps going. And when, uh, and I see it especially, you know, with um, when there is a, a, a tragedy, right? You know, uh, a natural disaster. Like people rally to help at the beginning, which is amazing. We, you know, we mobilize, we move resources, we help, we volunteer, blah, blah, blah. Two weeks later, no one remembers. And what is crucial in a natural disaster, in any tragedy, is to think beyond the short term. What is the medium term? What are the, you know, the needs of the people affected in the medium term? And then long term, how do we make sure that when that natural disaster happens again, because it will happen again, fires, floods, everything will happen again. How do we make sure that the people are not that affected? Because at the end of the day, the people most affected in all these natural disasters are the people, you know, with with less income, people of color. So that's when it gets to the advocacy and the policy change, right? The systemic change. How do we make sure that we also use our voices to to because you know all the money we can we can throw money to problems all we want if there is no systemic change nothing changes at the end of the day right so let's dive into some of those key lessons a little bit so what are some takeaways or lessons that you've learned from your decades of experience in philanthropy that could really help guide our listeners on how to become more active and impactful philanthropists what would you say to them 
I would say take the time. Take the time to meet with those organizations that are in your backyard, in your town, in your city, and get out of your head because, you know, some people were like, well, you know, we're always nominating the same groups. And I said, what do you mean? Like, there's, you know, dozens of nonprofits in your area. So don't, like, look beyond the usual suspects. Mm-hmm. Look beyond, you know, the the big names, the big nonprofit names. People always think, you know, the ACLU, the, the Red Cross, the Boys right. and Girls Clubs, the Y. Those are amazing organizations. Don't get me wrong. They're amazing organizations. They have a lot of funding. Look to the tiny ones. Look for that, you know, women's shelter that is in your town that, you know, doesn't have the funding that they need. Um, My giving circle, one of the giving circles that I'm part of, one time uh, we gave a grant to an organization in our county, San Mateo County. There are so many people speaking Spanish there. The organ- there was one organization supporting uh, survivors of domestic violence. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a caseworker that spoke Spanish. Wow. We didn't I know that. that. When you said that, wow. Our first grant, that was tiny. We said, okay, we need this. Yeah. for you to hire someone that speaks Spanish. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, another powerful story because from there, the members of my giving circle, a lot of them got so involved. Three of them have been members on the board. One has been board chair. Uh, two of them took the caseworker training and became caseworkers. Right now, most of their staff is bilingual. Most of the board, you know, they have a lot of Latino representation. It's like, you know, you can do a lot. And that first grant, Robin, that was $10,000. It, it, it was not, you know, a quarter of a million dollars. It was $10,000. But we were able to say, you know, we want to make change here. Mm-hmm. So I, I would say, you know, yes, do your homework. Two, check your expectations. No one can change the world with $10,000. So that whole thing that we always want to say, oh, how many people are they going to to um, to help? And I want to know exactly where all my dollar, my, my donation went. And I don't talking about. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I, I don't believe in overhead. Come on. people. <laughs> Nonprofits need to pay rent. They need right. to pay the light. They need to pay salaries mm-hmm. and they need to pay good salaries. There is a horrible, you know, turnover in in nonprofits. Why? Because people get burned out so often Mm -hmm. because the salaries are ridiculously low. So be the one, be the funder who says, here is an unrestricted grant. Use it to pay your people, to pay your rent, to pay, you know, to use it in the programs that, you want to have and you don't get the funding for. Right. Like really, you know, start trusting. And I know, you know, to build trust, you need to build a relationship. Mm-hmm. Start building those relationships. Take the time to do it. You and I are so passionate about this topic. We could literally spend hours talking about it. 
And um, I'm going to get, so where can our listeners learn more about philanthropy together? Oh, great. So, you know, go to our website, philanthropytogether.org. Every single resource that we have there is free. So we have a YouTube channel with a bunch of videos. We have a resource library. We have trainings every month. Uh, and it's going to be a lot of fun because if you think I have energy, you should meet Taisha <laughs> Wilson, our director of engagement. She has, you know, the most energy ever. So she, um, we have trainings for individuals to one who wants to start your giving circle, uh, group coaching, one-on-one coaching. We have trainings for community foundations or any, or corporate, um, um, you know, corporations. Um, we also have a virtual convening in May, May 7 to the 9, and everybody's invited, it's free. Uh, we have hours and hours of content from the last three years there too on our website. So just, you know, engage with us. We have a directory of Giving Circles. So if you're kind of like, hey, I don't know if this is for me, I would like to try it before starting one, go to our website. There is the directory. You can put your zip code or, you know, a keyword, like for example, um, women and girls in Indianapolis, and mm -hmm. you can find a Giving Circle near you. And if there's no a given circle near you or nothing that, you know, calls you, just, you know, get into one of the trainings and, and we'll help you start your, your own given circle. Incredible. Sarah, thank you so much for this conversation. No, thank you so much. Yeah, we will have links to Sarah's bio and her TED Talk, which you all need to watch because it's really incredible. We will have all of that stuff in the show notes and we will see you back here next time. Take care, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to Women Igniting Change. I know creating change matters to you. If you enjoy what we talk about on the show, please take one action today and share it with someone who could benefit from listening. Until next time, keep standing up and speaking out for what matters.